a nudist colony next week. <laughs> nudist colony? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love nudist colonies. They help me unwind. <laughs> I've never been to a nudist colony. Oh, really? Oh, you should go. They're great. They're great. Of course, when it's over, it's, it's, it's hard to get used to all this clothing, you know? So a lot of times I'll just lock the door to my office and I'll just sit there naked. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I usually work naked a couple hours a day. Uh, welcome, one and all, to This Is The Show, a Seinfeld podcast where we just kind of watch and deep dive into each episode of the greatest sitcom of all time with uh, a little bit of coffee I mean, and uh yeah there doesn't have to be like an acronym or anything that kind of goes along with that but if you does but if you do like acronyms ours is the greatest uh tits <laughs> it's easy to remember do you like tits then you like this is the show so uh hashtag tits a seinfeld podcast uh, dude, it's so funny that like you said that because they uh, this episode on the DVDs has the syndicated version with Wayne Knight's uh, voiceover for Larry David. It's got audio commentary with Jason Alexander, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and Michael Richards all sitting down watching this episode. And then there's an inside look that is a little more in depth. Like some of the inside looks. You can tell these are just cut from these long-form interviews that they do, and they just pull these pieces out when they're talking about something. And this one, like, there's just a lot. Like, they they just had a lot to go on because uh, the the actors seem to really enjoy this episode. Um, and we're near the end of season two, as the creators would have intended it. This is an episode that actually aired before the episode we just did, if that makes sense. If I may, really quickly. That is one thing, like, um, that was a huge advantage with DVDs. Um, a lot of movie DVDs, but like really specifically, like, TV DVDs, was always, like, the extra content and the, the, um, the commentary by the, the actors or producers or directors or what have you. Those are always good stuff, and, like... I would love to just sit down and watch Seinfeld with these guys and just hear them just tell stories and shoot the shit about these episodes. And that's like what the commentary is. Yeah. And it's fantastic. But it, it, towards the end of the commentary, uh, Jason is talking about uh, Julia being one of the guys. And there's a, there's a good quote um, that he has. Um, about it but specifically he goes you know you're one of the guys and then you know i remember you have breasts and they all got a good kick out of that and i was like <laughs> ah 2005 and, but she's one of those people that like i mean you can she's gonna take that joke the way it's intended as a joke and they're a lot closer like if i said that to her in the street she'd be like get the fuck away from me you creep but i figured jason for alexander sure, has sure. has earned that that sort of um you know ability to do that but repertoire um before i get too much further into that i'm your host alex lee the wise rabbit with me is my ever chill co-host <laughs> cj ward uh we have a tendency to a forget. thing that we often forget to yeah, do didn't forget that time <laughs> did not forget that time so uh man i'll just jump right into that with that jason quote since uh that's what i was uh talking about to to lead us in 
he thought uh, she had the hardest job of anybody of the four in the gang. Uh, to quote him, it's all guys writing scripts, and they're not particularly adept at writing women. So Julia does a lot of talking. Uh, she does a lot of taking less than ideal women's material and really running with it. The show is about being one of the guys, and here's this adorable woman who is one of the guys. She can uh, she can dish it as well as take it in a way she's attractive enough to be interesting and not be threatening to uh, another woman or to women. And that's interesting that they talk about that within this episode because this episode is very male driven, especially on the side of like the the like George's boss and the way he acts. Oh, it's very around- sexist women is extremely sexist and um it's definitely the thing that is trying to get canceled out in today's culture but they they make parody of it here and you're like holy shit like that's that's real oh yeah like you see that and you go wow like i i sat there and watched it and go well that isn't tolerated in today's work culture and i love (laughs) i love seeing it sort of parodied like this guy is the villain like you kind of want george to slip him a mickey you know what I mean? Like you want George oh, to, yeah. to to do this to him. So, um, the revenge uh, table read for it February thirteenth, nineteen ninety one. Uh, it was shot on the twentieth of February. It would have been shot on the nineteenth, but President's Day was that Monday, and everybody got the day off. So I think that's kind of nice. Got to have a day off. Yeah. It aired April eighteenth, uh, nineteen ninety one. Uh, a week before the heart attack and uh, right after the statue. Uh, and it got, where's my rating? 14.4 rating and a 24 share, which equates to about 19.6 million viewers. God, could you imagine that today? Okay. And Damn. And, and you're just like, Damn. yeah. You're, you, oh, my God. Advertisers. Oh, my God. They'd be. Would be going nuts. Yeah. The... This like the um, the network would would give them any amount of money that they wanted. Yeah, so it's it interesting be, to look all at. Over the place. So the ratings don't mean much to us today, obviously, but in terms of back then, it's really fun to look at. Um, very up and down. Like they had the four week run where they had. Uh, between 13.6. Their bad four-week run to start the season was a low of 13.6. And they came back after Cheers, hit <laughs> almost 25 million, 23. This was 19.6. Next week's going to be 20.6. The deal is going to have 22.9. That's our next episode and our season finale. Uh, because if you look at these three episodes, you know these are a great way to end like your season. I feel like if if they really are like it, it feels they, like everybody's coming they, on they strong. Really the last episode was a was a was kind of a George episode, assisted by Kramer and Elaine has her own story. Now we're gonna have you know pairs kind of splitting off, but it's more of again a George led episode with the Elaine assist, and then Elaine and Jerry are gonna have their big thing in the finale. And I think like yeah, Elaine's definitely like. They're, sorry, I don't mean to no, 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 go ahead. cut you go off. Um, kind of. Um, I, 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 I did find myself halfway through this episode going, man, I haven't seen a whole lot of Elaine here. And then she pops up for the second half um, for the third and fourth acts. Mm-hmm. However, you're right. 
Elaine is like a lot, a lot of the next episode. Yeah, and, um, and so between yeah. yeah, between getting her own her own independent storyline and even multiple, like we talked about in the last episode, she had two storylines that episode one got cut. So she's had two storylines. She's helping George in a very you know ridiculous way, as we'll get to. And then, yeah, the next episode. And I think some of the ratings on that uh, next episode, uh, the deal we'll talk about, it has to do with the promotion of it. Because I've, I've seen some promotion of how that episode was um, advertised. And it is about, like, you know, hey, sex sells. So we know who we are. That's people. <laughs> um, so jumping into Jerry's uh, first stand-up and his turtleneck that did they like sorry did, did they like oversell um like Jerry and Elaine getting together as the promotional stuff for it I think it was more of a like the hookup scenario like what happens when friends sleep together like la 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 can they stay friends you know what i mean i don't think it was anything mm. like mm. Got you. Like, like maybe maybe they were teasing the relationship a little bit, but you know from what we know about that episode. This that episode week, Jerry and Elaine finally get together. Yeah, I think it's more of like we know what ha- like this this some is, oohs and ahs. Yeah, like they try and actively like just be friends that fuck. But hey, that's not this week's episode. That's <laughs> that's next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry, stand up. Uh, Elaine, uh, not Elaine, Julia, not a fan of the turtleneck. In the com- oh, yeah. in, in the commentary, she says she didn't like it, and I was on the other end. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of dig the the turtleneck because he usually goes with the with the ties. He usually goes with like a funky tie or some kind of like weird colored shirt, or you know, we we we, we have talked about this uh, before, but I like uh, I like the turtleneck. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. You didn't notice it. Don't lie. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, but um, again, what I said wasn't wasn't a lie. I mean, it didn't. It didn't bother me. True. Uh, the notes brought up in the very first uh, bit that Entertainment Weekly ranked this season of Seinfeld in in their 1991 Program of the Year category. As the number two show, uh, only losing out to Roseanne, which mm. the notes made sure to point out that was also a sitcom led by a stand-up comedian, and they called her Roseanne Arnold, <laughs> which I thought was funny because wow. at the time, that means she would have been married to uh, Tom Arnold, which, you know, um. just a nice little fun little time capsule. This joke, real quick, not a terrible joke. Uh, the the end is really good. Do you think the clock tower part was in reference to uh, Austin? GT? Yeah, probably. I mean, knowing that's the only clock tower sniping kind of thing that I can think of. <laughs> I mean, knowing Larry David and the writer's penchant for throwing in those, you know, historical references like we we have seen, whether they're Hollywood from Jerry's side or from, you know, uh, Larry David's, you know, 
Well, I don't think it was much of a writer system. thing. I think it was just. Well, using that just, joke, you know, but it's it's on brand. That's I feel like that that's a that's a prominent you know thing that did happen. It just so happened to happen here. Yeah. Um. I I thought it was a good joke. You know, the bill the bill collecting punchline is pr- pretty solid. <laughs> I thought it was a good way to open up the episode. Uh, kind of encompasses, you know, what it's going to be like. Kind of brings in that, that revenge kind of energy. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, so what do you want to talk about first in this first scene? We could talk about Fred Applegate as uh, Rick Levitin, the boss. We could talk about George quitting uh, and where that story stems from. So I will, I will uh, let you decide. Where, where we go um, let's, with this first topic. Let's save the George quitting because I feel like that could really kind of go on for a second. So you want to um, talk about Fred Applegate first? Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. Talk, let, let's talk about, let's talk a little Fred Applegate. So it's just one of your typical character actors just been in a ton of shit. Things like Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, growing pains. He had a recurring role. Growing pains. Night court. Um, oh my gosh, I I liked Growing Pains. Oh, I was a big Growing Pains fan too. I mean, that's where you know DiCaprio got his start. But what I really kind of wanted to focus in on was a, a TV series Fred did <clears throat> uh, in the 1989 1990 TV season called FM. It's an American television sitcom that aired on NBC. Uh, it was a uh, the title. The series title was a pun referring both to the show's setting at an AM or an AM, an FM radio station, and its themes of female male interaction. Uh, set in Washington D.C., it starred uh, James Avery, uh, known as better, uh, more popularly known as Uncle Phil from. Uh, Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Uh, Fresh Prince, sorry. Um, you had uh, Patricia Richardson in the show as well, uh, more popularly known as Jill Taylor from Home Improvement. And then this guy, Fred Applegate. What's interesting about this show? Nothing really. It was written and created by Alan Burns, who's a real famous guy who coincidentally created Captain Crunch like, and the Munsters. Like, this dude went on to create a bunch <laughs> of really cool it's shit. It's got a 6.8 why... rating on IMDb. FM? Yeah, it got one season, yeah. aired 13 episodes. It was created and distributed by Mary Tyler Moore's uh, production company, who is now owned by Disney. Oh, interesting. Which this is like I, – I am getting around to, to, to a point with all this. But like all these threads that spin off of just this one show are crazy. So uh, I would love to find these lost 13 episodes of this television series that some NBC executive decided – was a better television show to put on their fall schedule than Seinfeld. So you know the the pilot of Seinfeld aired in 1989. They decided not to pick it up in the fall, but they found some money in some Bob Hope specials to air it in the spring, and we got the shortest episode until uh, the shortest episode order for a season in television history with four. And yeah, FM aired for 13 episodes, yes. and Seinfeld went on to be the greatest sitcom of all time. So fuck you, NBC <laughs> executive. Yeah. Sorry, I was just kind of, uh, I, I was yeah. IMD being 
FM that entire time while you were talking. So if I left you hanging, it's because I was, I was, I was deep in the weeds and some some IMDb FM stuff. Yeah, dude. Like not they, a whole lot of they, it's they, interesting. That's the sad part. But I was yeah, sitting there I mean, reading it. They and and they can't say they didn't try with this FM show because they put it in their Thursday night time slot following Cheers, which we know when Seinfeld was put there, that's when Seinfeld took off. So I I just love that yeah. that like Fred Applegate was on this show that you know is the reason Seinfeld didn't get put on, and now here he is a part of you know the cast in a really like good role and like man he kills it as this like sleazy little dude and when we get to the bar scene later his his facial yeah i was gonna say the bar scene really does him very well as an actor in this show he is just like that bar scene he kills it overall in general one of my big big points of this episode and the reason why i i think it was so enjoyable was like everybody's acting in this episode was really on point. Like everybody had a day. Oh yeah, shooting this e- episode. E- I mean, it was everybody. really good performance wise from everybody. So you can actually still catch Fred. Uh, he does. He pops up every few years. It looks like probably you know to get those like you know syndication residuals and cash a paycheck. Nothing wrong with that. Be a, be a creator, dude. Um, he uh. So the audio commentary for these episodes recorded by Jason, Julia, and Michael was uh, in 2005 because Jason had mentioned uh, Fred being in the producers, which came out around that time. Um, and then Julia had mentioned something about 14 years since the show had aired. So I kind of, you know, math. But he was in Billions as, uh, just, a, just a handful okay. of years ago. The Marvelous Miss Maisel uh, crashing. Uh, which I believe was like an HBO series. And then he even is a narrator in a series as uh, for an episode as uh, late as last year. So, you know, he pops up from time to time, still working. Uh, glad to have him on this episode, man. I wonder if he still likes – I wonder if he's been to any nudist colonies since then. Uh, I mean – Maybe a nude beach, at least. I can guarantee you his character has been to a nude beach, at least. All I know is he got it on video. And all I want to know is, did he get her consent to oh, get yeah, it he, on video? He, <laughs> Probably he not. Probably oh, it's not. so... That was so creepy, man. It's like, yeah, I guess what we did Saturday night. Yeah, and I got it on video. And I was like, bro... <laughs> Let me tell like, you what even we did today, in Lake George. Like, ugh. Even today, like, even with all the stuff that we have out there, like, voyeur videos are just, like, creepy. And I can't, I, I don't. That's yeah, not your that, fetish. It, it was a, it was That's an, not your fetish. No, it, was an in, <laughs> it was an instant creep out for me, like, immediately. So, like, we always talk in um, pro wrestling, right? There's, there's a seven-step method of telling a pro wrestling story in a ring. Um, step one is always, always, always establish heel and baby face. Um, and there are different methods of doing so. Good guy as and bad long guy. As you get that step one across. And I thought this was a very good way of step one of establishing this guy's a heel because that was creepy. Because even though George is going to go off and, and say a bunch of mean things to him, 
nothing is is as grotesque as what that dude just said into the phone to his buddy. You know what I mean? No. Um, yeah. No. And and that's gotta be. I mean, that's gotta be like his like best friend on the other line because I wouldn't tell it to anybody. But like, I don't think you, I think that I don't even think that's his best. Knowing knowing like how he's got no problem. That's just Ray from down the office. Yeah, that could be that yeah, that could be yeah. Yeah. That could uh, that could be a woman on the other end of the phone. We don't even know. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh yeah, Fred Applegate just super creepy in this episode and it's awesome. He does such a good job at it. On the flip side, and then yeah, yeah, go ahead. Man. Oh, man, Jinx you oh, and no. Coke. A Coke, a pop, or a soda, or a Coke or a Pepsi. They 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 never define like like is is pick poke. You owe me a Coke, like like you owe me like an actual Coca Cola, or is or could that also be pick poke? You owe me a pop. I think it's like got to be like a. I think it can be any cola beverage. So like it's RC not. Cola? That's what I'm saying. Like it, can't, yes, it can't be like Sprite, Fanta, Mountain Dew. It can't be Dr Pepper because Dr Pepper's not a cola. But like Pepsi's a cola, RC Cola, you know, and they're like a special, like a Dr K cola or something. Like, like yeah, like if it's a knockoff cola, it's a cola. So it's Coke. I mean, what defines a cola? Because see, Coca Cola tried to trademark the term cola. But they and couldn't then RC because Cola it's, fought it's, that because it's it's like a it's the type of beverage it is it's that flavor even though RC is legit a knockoff like 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 the guy who invented RC Cola was the guy dude this is another podcast but the guy who invented <laughs> RC Cola was was a was like a, a grocery store distributor or something like that in some town who sold Fountain Coke and Fountain Pepsi and he. He sold it in like three liter bottles or whatever, and I think he discovered, oh, this isn't that hard. I just want to make my own uh, soda or cola, and so he he made Royal Crown Cola, and then he he fought with Coke over the name of Cola. And anyway, I I digress. The fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, <laughs> no, that was, that was <laughs> I didn't I did I I mean I knew it was a knockoff, but I didn't know it was a guy going. I can do this. That's awesome. Um, I don't even know how we got off on that. Um, so George quitting. Uh, let's br- uh, bring it back to Seinfeld. Uh, George quitting. I want to make this rant every day I go into work. Like, like legit, every day I walk into the building, I want to make this rant. Uh, son of a bang and son of a boom. Uh, based on, <laughs> based on, based on Larry David's real life quitting story at SNL. Um, we've talked about his yep. time on SNL before. His he got uh, one episode on five minutes before uh, the show's set to end, and halfway through the season, he just stormed into what the notes called an executive producer's office. Now, during 1984, 1985, chucks, right? there's there's only one executive producer in the produced by. Like, there's – if it's mm-hmm. the executive producer of the show, we're talking Dick Ebersol. Like, did he walk into Dick Ebersol's oh. office and, like, hey, bro, I fucking quit. Uh, 
but I just I found that interesting. Um, I also found in the eighty four eighty five uh, time period, uh, like Roddy Piper and Mr. T and Hulk Hogan were hosting. I just found that interesting on the wrestling um, connection. Uh, it had to be for uh, the first mania. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then Larry David did famously, he says, when I got home, I realized that maybe that wasn't really a good idea. And I went back Monday morning and pretended the whole thing never happened. And he, he, he said, I, I, you know, I said, that's just my sense of humor. I was joking. And the guy bought it. Like he called him on it and the guy bought it, but like he got to keep his job for the rest of that season. And, uh, before I believe moving on to that. I can definitely off. also see <laughs> On this ABC. being an episode of Curb. Like, uh, like I just am, yeah. like, like, like I just see that scene as an episode of Curb in well, my this, head, and it, this it, whole episode comes from the bag of ideas because Larry Charles. Um, so this is the first the whole bathroom gimmick. The whole bathroom gimmick. So, so you, you, you had you definitely looked that up or or saw that, uh, mm-hmm. because he he talks about it on the inside look. So uh, that makes sense. Um, it's it's definitely out there, but Larry Charles, um, I'm sorry. This is the first episode solely written by Larry David, um, and Jerry says that um, they would work together on everything. But you know, there's times where you know uh, one guy does the majority of the heavy lifting, and I'm just you know the other guy's just sitting there going, oh maybe if you said this instead of that, you know what I mean? Um, mm. um, but his his quote from the notes on. The duo success writing together. Uh, he said, "There's really got to be a balance of power that you have to uh, you have to strike that is comfortable. It's a very delicate thing, and we've been very lucky that we work so well together. And that's like one guy not getting mad uh, if another guy is funnier. You know what I mean? And being able to uh, to uh, curse at each other, but in a professional manner. Yeah, and being able to put like the ego aside. So." Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got some more stuff about their working relationship together that I can get into, uh, as we go along. Uh, but we can go, uh, to Jerry's apartment. I feel like we haven't been here in a while. Like, outside this is, of Jerry I, being asleep. I love, I love the cut that is right to George sitting there on the floor. He's like, well... Actor, I could be an actor. Well, th- no, we're at. Uh, you're you're jumping ahead a little bit. He hasn't he hasn't told Jerry he quit. We got we have to get Kramer's thirty first entrance first. Jerry's got. Oh, you're right. I did jump. Jerry's got to do is, some laundry. Uh, this is uh, the first talk about Newman. Yes, we get our first uh, Newman reference. Uh, originally spelt in the script N E U M A N. They had originally cast somebody for the role. Uh, but as they got into the production week, it just didn't really work with the story, so they decided to do an off-voice camera, and that's when Larry David was assigned to that. I saw this. It was originally supposed to be, like, a uh, son of the landlord or something like that, right? Uh, that I didn't see. The the notes didn't have anything about that. They had it about, um, he, uh, like, this guy auditioned, he was cast and everything, um, and he ended, later ended up on um, one of those like Stargate, Battlestar, Nine Hundred, whatever those space shows were, <laughs> Star Trek, Voyager, something like that. He ended up on one of those shows. Um, and we definitely get like a retcon of the Newman character, which is totally fine. 
um, we, we we all totally forget about this really moment. But this th this is. I don't know. Even to me, if you even apply Wayne Knight's Newman character to this, I think it's still funny and that it could still work. Um, it's the later it's, on they they talk about him being a postal worker for for many years, but yeah. I in my head could could see this being a moment where he then becomes a postal worker, right? And then takes it extremely seriously as a way of life because of his attempt. Of suicide. Right. No, well, I, his, I, I agree his, with that. His dramaticism of attempts at suicide. And the the notes do talk about that a little bit and how, like, at, at some point between this moment and I believe it's like the fifth season is the first reference of it from what they said, he he becomes a postal worker. And it's there's really not much to retcon, I feel like, uh, other than the voice. But it's one of those things that it – they they used they, they did this like we've we've talked about mm -hmm. jo uh, George's parents already, and how they made these jokes about his parents, and we don't have a picture of them yet, but we know who they are because we've seen the show, and we absolutely see, um, uh, Jerry Stiller and I'm drawing a blank on his mom's uh, name, uh, as those characters when he talks about you know. My mom made, uh, you know, her potatoes, you know, from the statue, and like we can absolutely see in George being dressed down by his mom about some potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Damn it. Um, but Jerry's got to do some laundry, uh, and for some reason, your guys with my guys. Yeah. Uh, the audio commentary uh, of that trio of actors talks about Kramer's wardrobe, and there were some notes about Kramer's wardrobe in the show. Um, he talks about in the commentary that shirt costing like 10, 15 bucks back then and probably costing 150 bucks now. It's this nice little white button down. There's a nice little, uh, uh, threaded decal on it and, um, it does look good. Like he does. They, they said that the, the note said they would buy his clothes at garage sales and thrift stores <laughs> and Julia's clothes came from like, Makes sense. like LA boutiques. Like they wanted to keep her looking, you know fashionable but there Makes was sense. yeah there was an alternate joke uh to this you know kramer putting his guys in with my guys uh he says you'll frighten them then when the detergent comes in they'll tense up you gotta be relaxed to be clean <laughs> which i think is kind of funny like have you ever had like a tense bath you know what i mean like you get in kind of goes along chill, like a with tense his, shower his that kind of goes with his jokes later on when they're doing the whole scene and he's having to do his distraction. He's talking to uh, the laundromat owner and uh, he, he makes a joke about, you know, is it, is it, um, is it emasculate to use the gentle cycle? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. What I mean, you got to keep your silk underwear clean somehow, dude. You can't just throw the silk in with your <laughs> jeans, bro. Like, think. But think, then, but, CJ. But, 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 but then that brings – okay, for you to make a meme reference, you have to actually watch the fucking show. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the <laughs> um, – shit, and that made me think of what I was about to say anyway. Oh, that brings up the next question. Are are – Silk underwear, is that a masculine? You know? No. 
It like, is like have you ever have you ever like the once... boxer briefs? The boxer briefs that's for a man, you know, a man that's, on the move to get the job underwear. done. That's silk underwear. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like, like the tidy whitey. Boxer version. briefs are not silk. My my boxer briefs are not silk. I'm saying, have you ever worn silk underwear? No. Well, you're I'm missing out, bro. It's 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 comfortable. I'm not saying I'm not saying go out there and you know lift some weights in silk underwear, but like for the right occasion in the right moment, yeah, it's some comfortable ass shit. Men can wear lingerie too, bro. You gotta look good for your lady. Alright. I'm yeah. talking to the guy who wears a purple speedo like once every couple weeks. Who might you know you know what I'm t- <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. This guy, well, the right occasion. These episodes are just getting more wheels off by the day. <laughs> um, I think overall the Newman suicide, as it's played for laughs, is like just the start of how dark this episode is really going to get because this is a dark episode. I think this is probably the darkest episode up to this point. Kind of, yeah. Like we're, we're I can com- see that. Where like if you took out – the laugh tracks in this episode it'd be like whoa what well, the well not not laugh what, what, don't 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 sully the good sorry audience live studio audience of seinfeld with that big bang theory bullshit <laughs> you take out the laugh sign although there's one guy later on i haven't noted in what scene it is um but there's one guy later on who is over laughing so hard that could um, either oh, be yeah, and that make- one of the producers it's, is it's, it the, is it the Julia's naked 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 joke? No, it's it's the because they point out a producer's laugh the, at that Michael point. Richard's Otherwise, it's just a rhyme when he's to trying to put in the um the the yeah. cement. Uh, there's an uh, overlapper. Yeah. Some guy, and I'm just like, holy cow, dude! Like it's funny. I'm laughing here on my couch, yeah. like whoa. But that guy, that guy's on another level. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a little suicide talk. We've got, you know, some property damage as well as attempted manslaughter potentially and conspiracy to commit manslaughter. Like there's a whole there's a whole lot to unpack in this episode, man. Um So they so uh to yeah, to to just move it along to the laundromat. Uh, this is an episode that like just moves back and forth. We're not lingering too much. Um, Jerry's apartment's used as a good little, almost kind of like a bus stop in between loca- in between where we go on this wacky ass ride. Um, but originally there was going to be some like little hallway scene where George runs into Kramer and looking for Jerry. And for whatever reason, George is only going to have one shoe on, and Kramer's going to point it out, and George is going to go, "Man's best friend." Like, and then they were just going to move on from it. And I was like, you can't just have a dude with one shoe on and then not explain And it. not close that loop. <laughs> like, what? But they, as the notes pointed out, they later realized that George could just say, hey, Kramer told me. Because that's believable. Because that's, he's got Kramer's clothes in his, you know, bag. Um, and it is funny just to kind of watch him just kind of sneak up on jerry and jerry's like how did you know i was here where did you yeah. come from his his that that was a very good like i i do that like that like that's i feel like that's one of those things when somebody like comes out of nowhere or something happens i feel like i find myself hands out looking like 
where the fuck did you yeah i <laughs> i feel like that's something that i absolutely have picked up on um so uh, in this scene at the laundromat with george there there's more to this list of reasons why he he quit um other than just you know the bathroom uh apparently one time george handed him a check and uh levitin lit the check on fire saying the offer was too low uh his boss once propositioned ava his girlfriend at the time that we know from the stranded um yeah that's why i couldn't sorry go ahead to go on to ava yeah i couldn't figure out if this was because of the whole episode swapping with with air date and with um uh shoot date i i couldn't put together is it supposed to be before the the house party or no 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 so, so this is after the house party we're watching it in creators intended order so everything we've seen is is how it's supposed to have happened okay um so yeah, the stranded has already occurred. I, you can kind of tell by this point. It looks like George and Ava aren't probably together. He hasn't really brought her back up at this point. Um, but yeah, apparently Levitin propositioned Ava in front of George while they were still dating, and that apparently ticked George off. Which yeah, why wouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so now we get to uh. Did you have anything? Oh, uh, I almost forgot. John Capodici, the laundromat okay, so, guy. Uh, again, another, another dude. Um, long, another long example IMDb. of acting in this episode uh, done really well. Like I mean, every, he's been working everybody hit like their marks. The late seventies, and this guy um, included. Like he is a perfect stereotypical. New York City laundromat owner. He's got the New York uh, uh, Mets hat on mm-hmm. and got a he looks like he belongs out his mouth. Yeah, looks looks very much New York City, not L.A. backlot. I mean, he was in Wall Street, uh, the original Charlie Sheen, Michael Douglas film, uh, Internal Affair, Affairs, Blue Steel, uh, Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Murphy Brown, L.A. Law. Uh, I'm just scrolling up. He was in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Um, he was in Speed. That very ooh, interesting. He was in Boy Meets World. He's, a, he's that very old school. Mad ooh, About You, that The Phantom, too. Independence Day. That very Day. old school, like school of acting style. Yeah, I mean, and and I, he's one of those guys. Again, you can find him continually working today. He just start in a movie that they're doing a prequel tv series on that they just did they're in pre-production on so uh this dude ain't hurting for work john john capodice kills it in this uh in uh again like the the bit actors they they hire man they 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 knock it out of the park with pretty much every single one uh so now we move on to your george sitting at the table (laughs) going through his skills uh apparently the scene was originally supposed to be set at monks uh didn't really explain why they chose to put it back here but i like i like that it's back here because it's just kind of you know 
George is out of work. He's probably like, I probably can't afford to eat out. So let's just go back to your place, bro. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I'll raid. I'll the raid your fridge. The diner's not in this episode at all. Yeah. It's it's it, 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 I think I don't think it's worked its way into their iconic location that they go to yet. They've been there, but they I haven't. I don't know, really... man. We're talking season two at this point, like into season two. Like I, I, I guess it's their regular. I think the diner is a pretty yeah locale spot for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like I said, it didn't occur to me till just now, this very moment, yeah. that the diner's I mean, the last... not in this episode. Well, maybe George is still a little, still, maybe he's a little afraid because the last time he was at the diner we saw, he had a heart attack or he thought he had a heart attack. <laughs> so maybe he's still a little gun shy. Maybe that's it. Um, where, where was I? Oh, so George mentions projectionists. Our, our Jerry brings up projectionists and they bring up the whole, well, maybe it's a union thing. And the notes about nothing felt it would uh, be interesting to drop the nugget that members of a projectionist union in Chicago allegedly ignited explosive gases during movies across ten uh, across ten states uh, in an action uh, in an attempt to intimidate theater owners. And I was like, Oh and then, my god, and then that they makes just that decide- joke really funny. And then they just decided to move on. Well, what's funny is this incident happened after the joke, like uh, almost uh. a decade after the joke. So they just moved on, and I was like, no, 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 no. This this needs to be kind of kind of deep dived. And yeah, like legitimately, like Chicago area unions was linked to like twenty fires in U.S. theaters. And it's not the first time they've been doing this. Like, they've been doing this, like, since between, like, 1998 and, like, 2003. And, like, a bunch of them finally got caught. And, like, they were, they were like, I couldn't find anything where they were, like, sentenced to jail. But, like, them being on trial and indicted and all kinds of shit. And, like, Holy if you just shit. type in Chicago Projectionist Union Gas Bombs, all kinds of, like mob ties with projection unions uh and like talking about like and it makes sense (laughs) because if you think about it like the projectionist unions like they would be in control of what 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 goes on the reel so if they all band together to only show this or only show that and if the mob can put their guys in to show you know like hey you know well these guys will show our stuff only and you got to pay to get on our reels and stuff like that that makes sense like if that's where the money is control the source so I didn't think of any of that, and you know, now with it being a digital thing and all encrypted, like you know, there's no way you could probably get away with it now. But like back then, like I was like, oh shit! Like even like as recently as the early mob has its hand on it somehow. But you know, maybe in the old the school film, film theaters for sure. But I just found that fascinating, just being a, a movie theater fan. The mob finds a way. Uh, but man, this scene between George and Jerry is yeah. really good. Uh, like the, the, the trio on the audio company just kind of sat and watched it just fascinated by like, like there's no movement. It's just two guys having a conversation, just relying on the material to be interesting enough to get and by. The movement, and it, 
and then the movement that that does happen when when Jerry stands up toward the end of the conversation is like you're just an emotional guy, like like that then moves. I, I, yes, there's something about how that was done where they where they were static and then the movement moved with the energy. It it was again performance done really really well in this episode. Uh, they commented that. Jerry's kind of babying George here, kind of like, well, you know, kind of give those yeah, jobs to sports guys. And vastly different than the heart attack, which we just saw, where Jerry's over here needling him, asking him about, like, his Blackhawks jacket and, you know. <laughs> yeah, knowing there's nothing wrong with him, you know what I mean? He's he's fine. Yeah. George right here, not fine. Not the time to be busting on your buddy. Like, you kind of need to be gentle with him and kind of keep him... You know, can't kick him while he's down. Exactly. Don't do something that's gonna. Don't encourage him to do anything that's gonna cause him to potentially go to jail for life. Uh, <laughs> which he's just gonna do anyway. Um, <laughs> just, just really good scene. Uh, just, I, I don't really have any more to say about that. Mm mm. Uh, no, I we come back on everything for that scene. Yeah, so probably a commercial break. We come back. We get our mid a mid uh, episode stand up, uh, which is totally for true. A guy that's, like, like, but for a I, guy that's never worked in an office, he sure does have some good office material. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, because that's totally totally true, and like I remember. Um, in my short stint in an office setting, it was very much like that. You're always trying to find, like, small talk in the hallway. Most of it, like, you don't want to, like, like, neither of you really want to talk to each other, but you want to acknowledge one's presence in, like, a a nice way, you know? So a, a good greetings is always that simple, just, oh, hey, Bill. And then like, it's silent and, like, smile. Like, that's all you got to do. Hit him with so, the head like, nod, bro. The, the greens were always good. And then I remember when I was a kid um, at my dad's office, he talks about everyone having, like, little nicknames. And, you know, my dad went from being Tom to, hey, Tommy. Hey, little Tommy. You know, it was... Hey, Tommy boy. And <laughs> changing the name. Yeah, like, God, so pandering, so patronizing. It is. Uh, it is. It's the worst. Worst. Um, I think, and again, I don't, um, I think this does kind of move into the next scene. At kind of that, like, like I think that the little small dialogue that, that George witnesses as he walks in and is just kind of trying to be nonchalant. Um, to be that normal. little short, little, like, office dialogue, that's very stereotypical office I, I think that it does a good job of being an example of that uh before again skeevy applegate with the whole uh <laughs> you know uh tied up comment you know yeah i bet you were got the big laugh from the boardroom oh uh, uh, <laughs> uncomfortable the, the, the guy that played bill uh who curly hair was talking to uh, Jerry Seinfeld stand-in 
for the majority of the for the majority of the show. Mm, uh, I can see it with the hair. Yeah, which I found I found interesting. Now, now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, um, makes sense. So while Larry David's story works out well, where he got to stay, not so well here for George. Again, getting dressed down uh, by Rick. Uh, the look on his face uh, with the pen in his mouth um, at the very at the very very end before they cut. That got a big laugh out of out of Julia. Uh, she really liked uh, uh, Jason's face right there. Um, but the notes had some good some good quotes about Larry David uh, here. Um, because this go is a very on. this is a this is a, yeah go on. <laughs> this is a very Larry David heavy episode. This is this is drawn from the notebook of Larry David's life, and again solely written by him. So and features um, his voice. Exact yeah exactly so Jerry um, again with the compliments to Larry acknowledging his role he said our senses of humor dovetailed in such a way that the words sound right coming out of my mouth but most of the time it's his words I say ninety percent of the show comes from Larry um, and Larry David kind of um, to to kind of uh, well, no, that's a that's a different quote from Larry on Jerry. I'm well, sorry. and I do think uh, well, no, I do think that, oh, go ahead. that you can kind of see it uh, within this season. How when we I, we know that to get the the part um, of George, he was doing everything in a very um, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, the actor that he was. Emulating, or the oh, comedian that's that right. that yeah. that he was emulating was it, to was it Woody Allen? Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, we talk, I, yeah, we talked about that. And way then back he, when. he 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 has the transition of going, oh, I'm not a Woody Allen guy. Like 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 this character is Larry David. I need to be emulating Larry David. And I I think you can kind of see it in this season where he has made that transition oh, already. Full on, full on. In it's it's interesting. It's great in the inside look. He actually does kind of a Larry David impression because he he he's getting the script, looking at the script, and he says he looks at Larry and he goes, "Hey, Larry, this really happened, right?" Like George, like like Jason already knew by this point. Like yeah, drawing from his life, like you said, and he really does give like a good like. Larry David like impression like I don't know if I could do a good Larry David impression but George uh, Jason Alexander does one in Inside Look that's really good. Um, we spent several years playing him on TV. He did. He did. Uh, I've talked before about Larry David being a comedian's uh, comedian. Uh, Jerry uh, Seinfeld would go see him before they even knew each other. Like he would go see Larry David because he was funny mm-hmm. uh, but he said that he said that Larry sometimes didn't have a patient for difficult audiences and there were a lot of them his material was so <laughs> brilliant and he was so funny other comedians would come to see him I never saw him on stage when he wasn't funny even when he wasn't doing well he'd be funny and I think that that sort of like that curb your enthusiasm like Larry David is the funniest when he's being a jackass 
You know what I mean? When he's like kind of in the wrong oh, yeah. and he kind of he can't deal with the situation, like that's when he's at his funniest. Uh, so uh, I can imagine him on stage like that. And uh, Larry Charles, even uh, <laughs> seeing him perform, said he seemed like he was going to get up and be a monologuist, but actually he's a really gifted mimic. He does great voices and characters. He'd go from talking very autobiographically and then launch into these fantasies and elaborate scenarios where he'd play multiple parts. And that I would love to see because this seems like kind of a very – like Larry David, George Costanza, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a one-dimensional character, but it's a singular character. And I would love to see Larry David doing multiple characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, um, even his his character on on Curb is, is is very much a singular character. You're right. It, it would be funny to see him be other things. Other things. Um, <laughs> and then to kind of wrap up the stand up talk, Larry David had something to say about Jerry's stand up um, and more about his love for stand up. He said, uh, "Jerry Jerry doesn't function too well if he's been away from the stage for too long." He's like a man in prison who hasn't had sex in a long time. And I'm like, yep, that's about as Larry David as it gets. Because <laughs> he goes right for the sex joke. You know what I mean? He goes right for the, yeah. this dude has not been getting any. Um, but I think this quote kind of comes from an earlier time as well when Jerry was doing more stand-up before he found what was probably more popular in our time, which is the comedians in cars getting coffee, which he kind of found his outlet for that sort of let me try something new uh, and, and get away series. from the stand-up for a while because uh, you know he didn't do all i mean what major stand-ups has he done in our lifetime outside of a semi-recent netflix special and that was a series that like took its time too. like it came out on crackle like a year or two before netflix pumped the money into it and pumped the money back into jerry seinfeld but it was on crackle for a minute before there was like a whole lot of like buzz about it Right. So. And I enjoyed it. Larry David, great, great writer, great comedian. Glad him and Jerry got together to give us such a great show. Uh, bringing it back to the laundromat, George is kind of going, he's being shady, not really wanting to tell Jerry what his, uh, what his plan is. And uh, the notes gave me some good, some good where do you know where this whole Mickey comes from? Like the whole I'm gonna slip him a Mickey. Um, no, they mentioned Peter Lore, and I know that's an old old actor that was in like Casablanca and stuff, and he looks like a lot like the guy Maltese that like Falcon and yeah, he's the he, shady he, dude. He, he's always the shady dude. He looks like the guy that like um, uh, the Looney Tunes would always use for like. Igor, or yeah, that like shady kind of, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I know like, him like more the... from his portrayal in Looney Tunes than I do in anything else. <laughs> but <laughs> that, but I mean, they used him in a very like this is a shady type character. Um, yeah. So it was apparently short for a Mickey Finn, which is just another term. Which is just I don't. I it, supposedly this dude was a gangster, but it didn't really give a connection between. Mickey, the gangster Mickey Finn, and this and this chloral hydrate is actually what it's called. This liquid that that um, we'll see later, and it's 
you know, it's it's basically a roofie. Uh, it produces rapid loss of consciousness, but it can also irritate gastrointestinal gastrointestinal function, inhibit breathing, and affect the beating of the heart. So when you know George is kind of going through the whole, eh, he's gonna pass out for a little bit and kind of you know he's gonna have a headache. He might keel over. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He he might keel over. <laughs> well, I knew. Oh, George. I knew. Like like I I automatically associated Mickey with Rufie, um, but I didn't know it was the. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know there are different kinds of. Of roofies, where like some make you pass out, some make you, uh, I guess, vomit and hurl. Some may make you uh, keel over. Kill over and I can't believe I'm saying Mickey. Uh, uh, Julia was quick to 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 bust Jason on his sauce. I got a sauce. Uh, he does he does one. I think it's later, but he he he's, he says aren't. I mean, and he 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 does the good Brooklyn accent. Uh, aren't I don't know. Almost like like uh his uh his uh, Orange, but it's orange. I don't know. Yeah. It yeah. It caught my earbuds. They 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 all liked the comment about Julia, uh, or not Julia, Elaine's character. Ah, back when she had principles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the whole yeah, know, she's, she's kind of breaking thing. out of it here. Yeah. Yeah, but she's willing. Like, what is she willing? Like, oh, but she she has principles, but like. She's like all those principles are supposed to be like don't do harm, and here she is, you know, willing to inflict harm on somebody. So yeah, just the contradiction of those principles oh. I thought was really was really good as well. Um, I did like and, um, with because I I think is uh did the did he wave joke already land by this time? So I was I was getting ready with, to move us into that because we're I mean okay. Like, they said that, that, like, from when Jerry stood up, the energy in this episode is very back and forth here. Um, and so, yeah, Kramer, um, is, do we get his 30? Yes, his 32nd entrance. Um, this scene was actually supposed to include Harold the Super. That's what it was I was looking for. I was looking because I knew I had it under the 32nd entrance. So, uh, Kramer comes in and he talks about Newman having jumped, uh, but only jumping from the second story window. Oh Mr. my Papa God, Nicholas, dude, I, which is just the, a name that they picked up from the production crew. The did he wave? The yeah, that got that got to pop out everybody. That pop, like I was laughing on my couch. I was like, that was because yeah. then yeah. Kramer's. Kramer's reaction, that little like slow chuckle to you know like no he yeah. he didn't even do no. it from you know he did it from the second floor like that was it again again I've been saying it all episode the performances in this episode were so money and they just they they just gave that little that that little something to this episode. It, it was oh, really just that, enjoyable. Yeah, just that little, you know what I mean? That little extra. <laughs> that little extra. Between just that ordinary little bit extra. And extraordinary. So the, the uh, Harold the Super in an alternate version, in an alternate uh, uh, universe, we would have gotten Harold the Super. 
he would have come in and said Newman told everybody that he hit an awning and it's saved his life and it's a miracle that he's alive and he's going to go, you know, uh, you know, do something with his life. And he would have exited saying he needs to take Manny to the dentist because Manny's too scared. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, we, this, like I said, we've only, we'll only see those supers at one time. It would have been really fun to have them back. I think this would have been a great opportunity to include them in such, to be included in this episode would have, I think added again, another little extra that could have just enhanced this episode. Them not being in it doesn't take away from it at all. Uh, but yeah, just would have been cool to have them. Uh, yeah. I thought Jerry pulled Golden Boy out of his laundromat bag. Did you happen to catch that? Like, I couldn't tell because the, the, the yellow shirt has some writing or a decal on it. And I couldn't tell if Golden Boy had any sort of logo or anything on it if it was just a plain yellow shirt oh no i i didn't catch that okay i didn't see baby blue in there um i mean you these are some way deep cut seinfeld laundry jokes here uh yeah i am the one who pays attention to the fashion i i just i you know i just didn't know if you 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 caught it at all but jerry freaking out thinking he put fifteen hundred dollars by the way is that really the best place to put fifteen hundred dollars no, I I was thinking that when it when when he said that I was like that was not a good idea, that was that was kind of um, that's kind of on you, buddy. Like I agree, I agree with Vic, the laundromat guy. Like you ever heard of a bank? Yeah. <laughs> like I know, I know, like banks aren't always open and stuff. And I know this is probably prior to the time you could deposit at an ATM, but like, yeah, dude, a bank. Now in this scene, I did I did text you about this because I was like the notes didn't tell me it was there. I just popped because I saw it. Speaking of fashion, Kramer's wearing the jacket. That's, Kramer this, is wearing this, the this famous suede jacket. Trying to get you to is you you were on point in spotting all of the fashion in this episode. So it wouldn't have surprised me if you did spot indeed Golden Boy. Yeah, uh, I just uh, it's a beautiful sight. Just. The little subtleties that are continuity, in yes, this show are what make it great. Con- well, you know they're they're not always great with the continuity. We'll we'll call it just the subtle things because some of the <laughs> continuity gets <laughs> you know how, how many things. siblings do we have that we never see or meet? <laughs> True. We just had Facts. the the age discrepancy from the uh, previous episode, but uh, I gotta say Kramer and Jay are acting like a couple of karen's here being some babies you know even though even though jerry walks away it uh you know it is what it is for for the for 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 being a dumbass leaving fifteen hundred dollars in his in his laundry but now we're gonna get into uh the actual title of this episode we're gonna get we're gonna get some revenge bro uh, it is George's boss is a douchebag. Uh, revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're gonna get some deserved revenge, and we're gonna get some not so deserved revenge. Um, but we're at we're at this cheesy little bar. You know, there's some jazz music playing, and Jakes. Elaine finally, fi- yeah, Elaine finally gets into this episode, and uh, the guys in the audio commentary raved about about her outfit. Um, she's 
draped herself in velvet, as George <laughs> would say. And yeah, they. I mean, she is great with with these few minutes that she has in this episode. I mean, that's all she needs. She deserves more, but this is all she needs to steal the episode. Um, them, you know, conspiring in the corner, their body language, the 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 whole. That's what I said to Jerry. And the way they kind of like pop the food in their mouth at the same time, like yeah, that just, they're vibing. It's 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 lit. It's it's small physical comedy, not what we're about to to, to see George, here in a few moments. George and but, Elaine being on the same page. Yeah, and they and this is this is our first George and Elaine team up. We don't get a whole lot of these, but to get it here in this first kind of moment, and then just absolutely just destroy it in this scene together and individually it's just it's a thing to behold and uh they were excited to talk about it on the commentary you can see the energy between them in this scene um it's just awesome man it's just i'm I'm a big fan of like acting and production value and writing and all that stuff and performances and i just it was so fun to watch this episode, and like you said, man, just to see everybody just act their ass off, and it was just, man, just high yeah, comedy, it, dude. It, high it, comedy. These, these, this definitely middle part of the episode really, really kind of makes it, and it is a really good kind of action-filled uh, part. Yeah, so this scene kind of pops back and forth a little bit here, so we'll pop over to the laundromat, where... Michael Richards demanded – I say demanded. It's like he's being a dick. He requested a real bag of cement. Like he wanted the weight. He wanted to feel the weight of the cement in this scene. He kills it, bro. There's there's a, there's a point. I mean this is where the, the overlapping is for sure by the guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but – just him trying to get the bag up there, him setting the bag up there real heavy. And it's not one of the first couple of clips, but a clip or two later. I, this is a mon, or this is like a sequence of events back back and forth. So I, it's going to be real yeah. hard to distinguish when these events happen within those scenes. But when he gets the, um, the, yeah, the semen in his... Yeah, we just When he gets the semen in his eye and... It looks like, from a person who has to kind of act on the spot a lot, it looks like he was expecting it to hit him there at first, but then he completely reacted with it and went with it, and it was, it's gold, Jerry. It's it's gold. It's gold. He he said on the audio commentary that when he hit that that door when he was done, he he drops the the bag in the trash and leans back and gives the little okay sign. Uh, that yeah. door originally wasn't locked and it just kind of fell open. And they couldn't use the take because it was like craft services back there or something. Um, which, oh. I, which I found to be pretty pretty on point. Uh, yeah, he talked, uh, he talked a little bit about like the physical comedy. Um, but, you know, it, Julia and Jason were kind of busting his balls a little bit in the audio commentary where like he was such a perfectionist that he kind of was never really happy with his work like no matter how big the crowd would laugh or you know he'd get an applause or he would like get the pats on the back he 
really like he said he had that little bit of Larry David in him where Larry David would write a great episode and go, well, I'll never write anything as good as that ever again. Uh, Michael yeah. kind of felt the same way about his work. He's like, well, I'll never do anything as good as that ever again. Um, I just I just found that interesting that, you know, he had that sort of maybe not self-doubt, but like like what he was doing like worked like he should have had a little more faith in himself. I feel like um, Julia, yeah, I mean, a lot of artists aren't, you know, yeah. self-confident. That's true. That's true. Not everybody's is. Not everybody's self-esteem is tied to how successful they are. Um, it's a fair point, sir. Uh, Julia flirting with the boss or trying to get the boss's attention is just like, what are you doing? It's so cheesy. When she... I like how you can see the process of, of like, okay, well that didn't work. The the sneeze bit is a good bit. I, it just it's just kind of gross to try and flirt with. Well, it's um, gross when she it, reaches for his napkin and touches his glass, and he like uh, Fred Applegate's reactions are just so on point. He's so disgusted by like I can't believe she's touching like why would she uh uh then like she's she like blows her nose into it. He's just like ugh. uh. But then, you know, nothing's working, and then she, you know, decides to just go with the ultimate lady move. Well, that's what I was getting to. Is like, I like the progression of, like, okay, this didn't work. That didn't work. What's going to, oh, tell him I'm nude, or I'm going so, you know, to just just keep bringing up the fact that I'm naked in some capacity. (laughs) Naked, 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 naked. (laughs) Naked. And we know by this dude's track record already in this episode that that's all he needs to be interested. Yeah, he's a pig. He's a pig. Um, so the chick with the with the wig, um, she mm-hmm. appears in, uh, I believe it was the Sniffling Accountant. I believe she's one of the patrons at the bar in that scene with uh, Kramer. Um. The, or maybe the maybe maybe Jerry's in there something like that, but um, yeah, just interesting that she comes the back. The dueling of the the low voice versus like her like really like projecting and being loud was a really good like contrasting scene. Oh, for sure, and I like that she was like very confident. I don't wear a wig, and he's like <laughs> one. one. <laughs> she's out of there bro fucking out of there so good so good um i know vic's a smart guy has he not aware that some dude is like dumping an entire bag of something into like the fucking he's making all this noise like he doesn't immediately go over there and go Unplugged. Or he keeps making those looks over there like, what are you doing? You're doing something sketchy over there. But then, like, these guys were just in here bitching about being ripped off. Like, why would they come back? And now he's in here chatting me up. Like, come on, Vic. Like, you're a New York wise guy. Like, be wiser than that. Um, yeah, I also don't think they, they wrote Vic with a whole lot of intelligence. Fair. Um... To Jason's point about it's guys writing scripts for women, 
her whole kind of like sleep around. I kind of just sleep around. That's a pretty, that's a pretty, yeah, a dude wrote that. Like, you know what I mean? You can just kind of tell. It's just so simple and basic and like, I don't really know how women flirt or talk. (laughs) Um... Julia. But see, I also see that as it being like projected to that guy though, and like it just shows how oh, simple for sure. it's like, definitely that meant to get his attention. Kind of guy can be that, where that's really all you gotta that's say. That's what a guy thinks a that, girl I mean, would that's, say. That's more how to I took that. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was the whole theme of his his character, which then definitely makes sense if it's written yeah. by a male. Uh. And then Julia, he knows how that guy thinks. In the audio commentary, thought the the bra line is like, we're, like, what could you even whisper? Like, that's the worst Dude, line. Dude, that's ever. what I was trying to think. What is it? The only thing I could have come up with is that they were nippleless bras. You know, that's the only, that's the only thing I could come up with. And I was at thinking... that point, like, how uncomfortable is that? Have you ever had like like your nipples chafe in like gym class or whatever? It's a terrible feeling. So I don't know why you just wear that in every day. So that's the only thing that I could come up with. I just thought she just went, she just said, I'm not wearing one. That you know what? It could have been as simple as that too. Yeah. Can I tell you about it, something it about have been my bra? That simple I'm not as one. well. Like it just seemed like a quick little Yeah. But it's enough it's enough for George to you know, do the deed, and uh, he he bumps into Rick, gets his attention. Uh, Rick is so happy. Yeah. So happy. When, when Rick... He, he thinks the world was just handed to him. Oh, I did when, want to say something earlier. Yeah. Um, when when Rick is saying to George in the office, you know, that's that's why I'm I'm here. I'm a winner. I will always be a winner. Yeah. Dude, we yeah. had to do some, like, we had to do some, like, elementary school uh, pledge. Like, like, we had not, I mean, we, we had to do the Pledge of Allegiance in elementary school as well. But there was, like, a, a school pledge that we had to learn. And I don't remember jack shit from that, uh, from that pledge, except for the opening line is, I am a winner. I was born to be a winner. I will always be a winner, and I will not allow myself to, like, accept failure or something like that. But it was, like, a whole, like, two or three paragraph long pledge that we had to, like, remember. But, yeah. Ah, Some good old indoctrination. The moment he said that, it was, like, elementary school. Bam. (laughs) Just just triggered all these old things. That's awesome. Triggered. When Rick says things just happen to fall into my lap. And Julia just does the whole, like, stare and, like, big eye thing into his lap. I just, that shit was so funny. I was like, she took a good hard look at that dude's lap. Like, if he's in some, like, tight slacks and he's sitting there, like, up like that, I mean, who knows what she saw in that situation. (laughs) Um, But I love George's reaction when he gets his job back and he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. And even Julia herself is like, oh, shit. We're in trouble here. This isn't good. <laughs> yeah, but then Vic kind of goes back to deserve oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because you can't yeah. have that guy get away scotch-free. Yeah. Drink up. 
Uh, but yeah, well, it's, 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 as soon as he says shrimpy, as soon as he says our shrimpy Fred, that's when, that's, that's when everything turns and they're like, yeah, fuck this guy. Um, go ahead, man. Yeah. The, the McConnell deal, I like to think having learned in the notes that dude lit the check on fire. I like to think that that was the deal that got blown probably because dude lit the check on fire. Like he wouldn't take any. He wouldn't take uh, responsibility for anything bad that happened at that company, right? He seems like the type of guy no. who just blames somebody else. So, yeah, he lights the check on fire. The deal falls through because George has to go back and say, sorry, your I- offer was too low. And then they're like, fuck, we're out. We'll go with somebody That's else. That's why when he announces his his company name, it's not a partnership. It's his company. Like, it's well, not it was... so-and-so and so-and-so realty. No, no, no. It was solely him. I thought it was like Rick Barr. That was the Rick Barr agency. Oh, uh, you know what? You might be right. I think I was thinking yeah. Barr isn't like legal Barr. It wasn't legal at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was thinking I was thinking R with two R's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, uh, that's what I was thinking. But you know, I mean, you could be right as well because we didn't see anybody else at the head of that table. It was just him. And does he really look like somebody who wanted to share some power? Could be a silent partner though. We don't know. It's a lot of unknowns in this situation that we will never ever find out because there's. You so ever think that there's a whole lot more going about. on out there that we don't know about? Sometimes, man. Sometimes. I mean, they're just now telling us about UFOs. When? How soon before it's like, yeah, there's aliens walking among us. I mean, the um, National Enquirer's been telling us that for years. And and you know what? Hey. It's the most credible source of alien information on the planet. Bet. Um, so we finish. We finish the episode back in Jerry's apartment. Elaine's there this time, being you know, supportive. being sweet to George. You know, yeah, supportive, babying him again. Um, I like that he he says this. He likes uh, he likes history. Um. In the boyfriend, we'll see in like season uh, three or four. Uh, he he admits to Jerry, you know, I've always wanted to be like a buff. <laughs> yeah, because you know, uh, <laughs> Keith Hernandez is a Civil War buff. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's what that's what that made me remind me of. Because like you know, George has all these aspirations to be this like super important guy, but he you know doesn't really have those skills or knowledge to. To get it done. Oh, uh, Kramer with I his relate. third entrance in this episode. Yeah. Kramer with his uh, 33rd entrance uh, of the series so far. Getting him in this episode. F- fantastic shirt. Everybody, man. Everybody getting a shine this episode. Everybody's involved with the story one way or the other. This is, and, and unlike last time where uh, Jerry is just kind of along for the ride, uh, you know, literally and figuratively. Uh, and Elaine has her own story, and Kramer's over here bringing him in. Everybody's involved with what's going on in their you know own kind of way um, together, and it's and it's really great. Uh, Kramer comes in, hands the money back to Jerry. Jerry, being uh, feeling like a total dick, you know, has to go pay the uh, laundromat guy, which is good for him. And we get Larry David 
Yeah, and we get Larry David's voice screaming down from the rooftops. Like, this whole, like, this ending is so wild to think about. Like, from where we started to where we are now, 17 episodes in. You want to go see a movie like, later? everything, like, yeah. Like, the way that episode ends is the most Seinfeld way ever. George, George is out of a job. Jerry has to go pay back some property damage. He asks Elaine if she wants to tag along. And Kramer sticks his head out of a window to ask a suicidal Newman if he wants to go see a movie later. Which he can't because he's busy. I like uh, another kind of... Is it a callback or am I just... But uh, the stable boy. It's like, maybe I can be a stable boy. Stable boy? Oh, I'm thinking of Cable Boy. When was there... I'm thinking of Cable it... Boy. Jerry's gonna be a Cable Boy. Cable <laughs> Boy. Cable I'm just rhyming boy. things. Jerry's gonna be a Cable Boy. Uh, That's why I wrote that down. I like horses. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I like horses. Maybe it's a callback. Maybe it's a reference to the pony remark. Maybe. Maybe that's what you were thinking. No, I Maybe think I was I, I think I was mistaken Cable Boy for Stable Boy. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and you know, the episode ends on a joke we've uh, kind of covered. Uh, Best Revenge is Living Well. Uh, I, I think but, the updated <laughs> version of that would be John Wick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of Charles Bronson. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves kind of finds himself in movies where bad things happen to him and he has to find some sort of revenge on whoever done him wrong. So maybe instead of Charles Bronson, we go Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it... it and it makes it, you know... Because I, I don't watch Charles Bronson movies. No. I, I know who he is, but... I even had to wait till, like... I, I got the joke once he started explaining it but it, it did kind of take I was, I was like okay who's charles bronson what am i looking for oh, okay action yeah. revenge type movies got it that that's funny got it but yeah a uh, a uh, keanu reeves or a liam neeson m- might be a good current, current liam reference. neeson that that there you go that's the that's probably the more the more relevant one um but yeah uh that's the revenge. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, my. You know, I hadn't put a rating down because I wasn't sure where I was going to put it. And the more we talked about it and, like, I, I, I watched it I watched it three times. I watched it for the notes. I watched it for the jokes, which is me just watching it. And then I watched the commentary. Uh, just to kind of get a good feel for for all of it, and it's the first commentary I've actually uh, like listened to. I've been waiting to do the Larry Charles ones, but I I couldn't pass up Jason, Julia, and Michael. Like that's unreal. Uh, and sure. I gotta put this one at like a, like a three seven three 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 eight. Like I I can't necessarily put it up in the fours, but like it's a high three for me. Oh, man. I gave it a like four. A, like a really high three. I, the, the moment the episode was over, I was like, that's a four out of five. I, You know, there there is something still okay. just kind of missing to it. I, I can't put my finger on it necessarily, but I don't feel that it's perfect. Um, but I, I enjoyed it so much. Like I said, I thought everybody's performance was was on um, was on point. I, I said the moment the episode was done, I was like, "That's a four, not changing it, not going up or down. It's a four. Put it, mark, mark it four, dude. Tap eight. Uh, I did put this on one of my best team up episodes. So George, George, George seems to be 
the the team up guy because I've already got George and Kramer as the bus boy as one of my best team ups because that you know fantastic from this season. Go listen to that episode. Uh, that was a that was a fun episode. That was a live watch along episode. That was. Um, and then Elaine and George here. The few minutes they get, man, they, it's just a small fraction of this episode, and I think it is some of the best like team up. Of the whole, like, of them two, of just them two teaming up together in the whole series. And you're right. In the whole nine seasons. We don't get George and Elaine a whole lot. They seem to be kind of contrasting personalities at times. Um, more of, like, a, mm-hmm. uh, a a devil on Jerry's left shoulder and then a devil further down on Jerry's left shoulder. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for this being, like... The, if not the first one, which I think you said it is, um, an early one, it's 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 great. Like you, like you said, you can tell the the energy was there. They especially felt it because like that's confirmed when they go back and watch it and they have an excitement about that episode or that scene rather. Um, that's yeah a really solid team up. And then you have Jerry trying to trying to play coy for a physical acting Kramer. Kind of both of them doing what they do well in, in that scenario as well, you know, too. Yeah, just... Yeah. yeah. Solid choice. Yeah. I think you're right. Like, like Jerry, Jerry letting Kramer kind of, like, have that scene. Like, Jerry doesn't do anything in that scene. He's just there, you know, being a quote-unquote distraction, but... Uh, Kramer just like his physical comedy in that scene he said in uh, I believe it's the inside look he, he really does he, he talks about the statue being one of you know the the coming outs but that was that was you know it was a couple episodes ago so he's got to you know kind of carry carry on that physicality how is he going to increase that you know he didn't get a whole lot of physical comedy in the in the statue other than you know shake it down Ray and I think this is probably the most physical we've seen of him so far. I don't think we've seen him fall yet. So yeah, this was this was a big moment for 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 Kramer. Um, great episode, man. Great episode. Yeah, uh, hi- highly recommended. I think it fits exactly. Yeah, like I think it fits exactly. You were talking about you know where this episode is. You know it aired in the mid-season but it was meant to be a later season episode and when we kind of talk we we you know we kind of made a little you know joke about continuity and subtlety earlier but man like if you could have just aired if you if you watch these episodes the way we've been watching them it just so much it flows better and then you go go and watch it on hulu and you're like why does this feel so disconjointed like, why does this feel like I'm missing something in this season? Like, these episodes feel kind of weird. You know what I mean? If you were to watch, you know, uh, if you weren't to watch The Stranded and then you watched The Apartment, The Statue, The Revenge, The Heart Attack, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I feel like. And that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm enjoying the way we've been watching it. We've got one episode Me left. Me too, and this next episode's a, a favorite peak. of mine. I love this next episode. I love the deal. Yeah, I it's you got we we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the episode, a little sneak peek, but it is 
Man, if they would have ended the second season on this, like, their third season ratings were really high, but, like, this would have been such a great way to end the second season. Like, for Because it leaves that intrigue coming into the third season. Like, I get, it, it, it leaves yeah, you... Are, I mean, are they going to be... We'll get into it more, but... Yeah, it does. It leaves you with that. Ooh, uh, oh, I think I can't wait for season three now to come out to yeah. further the story. And and like one last little tease. So for reference, the deal is our season two finale. The way we look at it, the way we're watching it, you know, whether it's Hulu or the DVDs, this is the order we've chosen. It's it, it's all normal. I think from here on out, I don't think there's really any uh, diversions. But the bus boy was the original season two finale it it aired a month after the chinese restaurant so the chinese restaurant could have been the de facto season finale so it's like what is going on like it like even still they put it after cheers they rearrange the episodes they don't know what they're doing but by season three that won't matter and then season four comes around and it's like throw all the money in the world at these people so tune in for that episode. I'm 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 excited. That, that's a that's a hell of a tease, bro. Oh my god, we are so far into this episode. I need to end it. Uh, <laughs> end it with your socials. Yeah, bro. If you're um, even listening, if you're if if you're listening at this point, we love you. Oh, we we love and cherish you at this point. Jeez. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Children Roasted. I I, I just post a lot of like my own little. Uh, 90s and early 2000s content if that's also kind of kind of your bag and you're in the twitch game um you can find me at uh, twitch.tv slash children roasted as well we watch a lot of early or not early but just a lot of 90s and early 2000s uh tv commercials play games from those times um kind of like my formative time and like my my period of nostalgia um if you just have an inkling to email an AOL account, I've got one of those as well that we use or that I use for uh, all social content purposes. It is a uh, childrenroast89 at AOL.com. If, if, if there was an AOL instant messenger, I'd be on there with a uh, dark, broody kind of emo away message from like a uh, yellow card or something. <laughs> uh. But alas, I am not. They, oh man, that's they that's some, that's some angsty teen for... music right there, brother. It's it's probably a matter of time. Aim 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 died, and out of the ashes, it was reborn as Discord. That's yeah. No, we yes, agreed. Okay, your turn. I just, I, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, best place to follow me personally. Uh. At don't fold the maps on Instagram. The best way to keep track of this podcast is to just follow us on any of your favorite podcasting uh, search methods. We're on Spotify, iHeart, all the Apple subsidiaries, uh, Google Podcasts, and then follow the show Twitter at this underscore is the show on Twitter. Uh, every time episodes posted, tweet goes out, and then you can click the little link, and uh, you're good to go. This is the show. And we're not changing it.